Thank you for listening to this message from the pulpit of New Grace Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. We hope the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you and your family. So, uh, of course, we just finished up our, our study on the end times, but that was more of kind of a, a, a survey class. Uh, like in Bible college, you would take, I would take Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, and then you would kind of dive deeper into different books. Uh, and the survey is just kind of a, a long, you know, here's an overview of things that are going to happen, lessons we need to learn. Uh, tonight, though, we're going to begin really an in-depth uh, verse-by-verse study through the book of Revelation. It's going to take us all throughout the Bible. Uh, just like with the survey course, we're going to be looking in the book of Daniel, in the book of Jeremiah. Not tonight, and it's going to, but we're, all, we're going to look at every verse in Revelation and then spend time looking back at what the Bible says leading up to that. Now, Revelation is uh, really one of the, the hardest books in Scripture uh, to study, and it really requires... Uh, understanding and, and deep study to really know what you're gonna what what the Bible's saying in this book. This uh, and what we're going through in this study is a, a course I took that took me uh, a year and a half uh, to complete. Um, it's actually it's based on the the classes I took uh, from Stephen Anderson. Um, I'm sorry, Stephen Armstrong. Do not follow Stephen Anderson. He's a lunatic, crazy cult leader, racist. Stephen Armstrong uh, is a professor down at uh, Baptist Theological Seminary in Texas, but he's also the leader of Verse by Verse Ministry based in San Antonio, Texas. Um, now, the study of the, of really the study of any book of the Bible uh, requires a lot of rigor, but especially the book of, of Revelation, and it requires it for a couple of reasons. Uh, the book of Revelation stirs up a lot of controversy in Christian circles. Uh, there's a lot of debate, uh, a lot of con- conflicting interpretations uh, about what is being taught, what is being said, and not just in uh, different denominational groups. Uh, for instance, and we'll see this much later on in the study, but the Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that the 144,000 talked about in the book of Revelation are the 144,000 chosen witnesses that get to go to heaven and live with God for eternity. Of course, we'll see in Scripture that's not who the 144,000 is referring to. But even in Baptist circles and people who believe very similar things, there's a lot of uh, debate about what certain things mean and about what certain uh, how th- and things are interpre- uh, should be interpreted. Um, and so there's a lot of reasons that people avoid, especially believers, avoid a deep study into the book of, of Revelation. Um, the conflicting opinions can cause a lot of division. Uh, you know, there are people that I know who have differing opinions about what particular things in the book of Revelation mean. And, you know, I can have differing opinions with people. And as long as someone believes the gospel... As long as someone believes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for payment for our sins and we're saved by grace through faith alone, things like what you believe a certain beast in Revelation means is really irrelevant to me. I can, we can discuss it. We can debate it. We can have discussions about it. But I'm not going to you know, be mad at you. I'm not going to be angry with you. I'm not going to disfellowship with you because of that. But I know some people who will disfellowship with someone because they disagree on a certain 
topic in the book of Revelation. And, but they agree on everything else in Scripture. So it causes a lot of division, uh, causes a lot of, uh, of, of turmoil in the church. The imagery in the book of Revelation is, is sometimes very hard to understand. And the events in the book of Revelation don't apply to us as the church. Because as we've seen and as we'll see much clearer in this study, you know, the, the, the events in the book of Revelation and the end times and the tribulation they don't apply to the church, so why do we need to know what's going on? Why do we need to study what's happening? And uh, these are all proof. These reasons that we that we avoid revelation are really the, their proof that the enemy is trying to keep us away from the book of Revelation. It's trying to keep us from really diving deep into it and understanding what's going on because the book of Revelation has is filled with incredible uh, truth. Now, regardless of what your thoughts are about the book of Revelation, it is given to us by God. It is preserved for us in his word. And the Bible says that every word of God is profitable to us. And so because it's in the Bible, it's vital that we study it and it's vital that we understand it. It's also important enough for God to give it to us so we need to understand the truth that is held within and one of the things that I always like to look at as we're studying Revelation or studying really any book where there's a lot of controversy and confusion is 1 Corinthians 14, the Bible says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. God does not want us confused. God does not want us not understanding what we are reading. So if we're reading something and we're having trouble understanding it, we're going to look at how we can find the answer, but if it's this, that we're like, well, that makes too much sense. we got to go this crazy, far-fetched way. God doesn't want us to be confused. He doesn't want division among the church. Revelation uh, is the final chapter of an incredible story, uh, and we need to understand the rest of the story to understand the book of Revelation. You would never pick up a novel. You would never go to a bookstore or a library, pick up a novel, read the last chapter, and expect to have any idea what's going on. You've got to read the rest of the book to know what's going on in the last chapter. Same thing with the book of Revelation. We've got to understand the rest of the story to understand what God's trying to teach us in the, uh, the book of Revelation. The Bible is a lot like a novel. It is one incredible story written by one author. Now, we can look at it differently because, oh, it's not one book. It's 66 books. Uh, it's not one author. It's over 30 authors. It's 30 human writers, but one author. God gave us the Word of God, and the entire Bible tells the incredible story of, the, of creation, of the fall of man, of the redemption of man, and finally of how God is going to preserve the world for all of eternity. And so the book of Revelation is just the final chapter in this story. It wraps up all the other stories that are contained in the Bible. Now, Book of Revelation, of course, it's filled with imagery. It's filled with symbols. But the imagery and the symbols we see in the Book of Revelation have been introduced to us earlier, earlier on in the Bible. So it is written with the assumption that the reader of the Book of Revelation is going to be familiar with the rest of the story. So if you don't understand the first 65 books of the Bible, you're not going to understand the Book of Revelation. Uh, and it's going to be confusing. So throughout this study, 
Uh, I'm going to try to help us understand how the rest of the story, the rest of the Bible, shines light on the book of Revelation to help us understand what's going on. So my, my job during this whole study is to bring background from the other 65 books into this study so we can understand the meaning of the study of the Revelation. But we also need to understand and be careful to understand the rules of interpretation. Uh, when you're studying any, any part of the Bible, but especially apocalyptic literature, you need to understand, know, and follow the rules of interpretation because they protect us from our own biases. So we're going to study this uh, book of Revelation. We're going to start this study by looking at the, the rules of interpretation, especially when it refers to apocalyptic literature. But first we're going to look at what we're not going to do. The first thing we're not going to do, we're not going to make it up as we go. Now that sounds reasonable. We're not going to read a verse and say, well, this is probably what it means, and just, just go with that. We're not going to make up stuff. Now, uh, a lot of people do that. You know, it, it, some people look at the revelation and the imagery in it, and they don't look at the context behind the imagery, and they kind of make up meanings to, to what it does. There is no other area of study you can do that. You know, what is two plus two? It's four. I can argue with you for seven hours straight that two plus two is seven. 18. Doesn't make me right. You, I can't just say, no. I, and that's one of the reasons, especially in this culture uh, that we live in today, everybody, you can, you know, however you feel is right. That's why, you know, I'm so glad uh, I don't, our kids, I, I can't imagine how y'all do your kids in public school because the things I've heard about in public school where, you know, we don't want to, well, kids don't, it's, you know, they don't get the wrong answer. It's just, they need to, you know, we need to help them get, no, no, no. You know, when I was in school, if you got the wrong answer, you got an F. That was it. It wasn't like, well, no, we don't want to hurt their psyche. No, hurt my psyche because I learn. Uh, no other place in, in study can I say, can I just make up the rules as I go along? So we can't do that as we're studying the Bible. Um, when it comes to biblical interpretation, a lot of people think it's fair game to teach whatever uh, they believe to be true even if the scripture does not back up what they're saying. So there are rules of interpretations. There are ways to look at the Bible that help us find the right answer. And we're going to follow those rules of interpretation. But we're also going to realize if we are following the rules of interpretation and we do not find an answer, it's okay to say, I don't really know what that means. I'm not, I, I don't understand it right now. I'm fine because the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit reveals to us truth that we need to see in Scripture. So maybe for some reason God's not revealed that truth to us yet. So we, we study the Scripture, we follow the rules. If we still can't come up with a clear answer, we say, you know what? I don't know. And maybe I don't know because God doesn't need me to know right now, and that's fine. If I don't need to, I don't, if I don't need to know what the flying dragon with six wings and flame coming out of his mouth is, I don't need to know that. Maybe I'll figure it out one day. Maybe God will show it to me one day, but I don't need to know it right now. You know, sometimes we can't fully understand the truth of the Bible because God hasn't revealed it to us yet, and that's okay. We have something to come back to, and that's how studying Scripture works. If you follow the rules and you study the Scripture faithfully and you still can't come up with a clear-cut answer, you got something to go back to in a couple of years and see if God's maybe giving you more truth. If you don't automatically understand 
the Sunday in the first reading, it takes time and it takes study. Uh, so if we're not willing to dig deeply into the Bible to find out what God is saying, we're going to fill in the gaps with what we think. We're going to guess at what God means and we're not really going to learn anything. We're just going to speculate as to what we think God means. Also, if God gives us the answer that we need and we don't listen because we have our own answer, we're not following the rules of the Bible. And so we, we can't fill in our own answers because maybe when God reveals the truth to us, we've got our own idea of what it means. It contradicts what we think. And so we're like, well, that's not what I believe even though Scripture now clearly backs it up, so I'm not going to believe what God has shown me. Uh, that's how you end up with you know, 50 different people giving you 50 different opinions about what the Bible means. So we have to follow the rules of interpretation without exception, even if what we learn conflicts with what we have already previously thought. So there are two rules of interpretation we need to follow when studying any section of Scripture. And the first one is the golden rule. And I believe we looked at this in the, the last study. But the golden rule simply says, when the plain sense of the text makes sense, seek no other sense. When what you read means what it says, don't go digging deeper to find some mysterious meaning that's not there. And people can do that all the time, especially in Revelation. You know, we, we talk, you read in the Old Testament, you read the book of Daniel, and Daniel in the lion's den. And when you read that, that passage and you read that story, clearly, according to the rules of interpretation, it very clearly tells us Daniel was thrown into a lion's den, slept like a baby with a bunch of lions, and was released the next day because God protected him. We don't got to look deeper into that. We don't got to look into, oh, well, the lion's den was actually... that. No, it was a, it was a den of lions. It was a cave with a bunch of lions in it that they used to kill people. You don't got to do, go digging deeper. So when you read something and it makes sense, take it as is. Take it at face value. Don't run wild speculating on what a verse might mean when the context is clear. Yes, ma'am. Sorry. <laughs> so how are you going to deal with the symbolism? We're going to get to that. That's the next rule. <laughs> so, um, you know, don't, you know, so when the context is clear and you know what it means... Don't, don't worry about it. Um, you don't, we got to be constrained by the text and what it says. So interpret the text by taking each word at its ordinary, usual meaning unless the text tells you to do otherwise. So if the context tells us that there may be some other way to view it, then we, we view it according to the context uh, gives us uh, latitude to do. But when you do that, when you take the text at, at face value, sometimes what you learn and what you're studying and what you're reading is it's going to blow your mind. It's going to seem impossible. And that's why a lot of people mess up because what they read and what it says seems impossible. So they look for some other meaning instead of just taking it as, well, it may seem impossible, but you know what? It's God. You know, it, seem, it seems impossible for Jesus to walk on water. We don't got to look into a deeper meaning of well, the water wasn't really water. The water was the problems, and the water was the fair. No, the water was water, and he walked on water. Does it seem impossible? Yes, it seems impossible. Makes no sense. It's very easy to look at that and say, well, that's not possible, so we can look at some deeper meaning. Um, 
when you, when you do that and you're, you're tempted to say something means something different and look to further leadings, we don't need to do that. Uh, now, there are things in the Old Testament that the Bible said would, would happen that seemed impossible, but Scripture shows us that they did happen. Uh, and so we can take the Bible to mean exactly what it says. Do not view the Bible through the lens of your world. View your world through the lens of the Bible. Uh, let the text say what it says. If you follow that rule, uh, you're going to stay out of trouble 90%, 95% of the time. This rule eliminates most errors people make in the interpretation of the Bible all by itself. When we don't follow that rule, we end up with over-spiritualized, incorrect interpretation. Now, the second rule of study is very similar. It's recognize that symbols... And Revelation has a lot of symbols. Symbols are always interpreted by the Bible itself. You don't got to look for extra meanings of the symbols anywhere else but in the Bible. Uh, there's a lot of symbols of Revelation that we, we often misunderstand. What is the lampstand? What does the dragon mean? Uh, who is the beast? What are the, what are the vials that is, are being poured out on the world? What do these things mean? They mean exactly what the Bible tells us they mean. We, we don't have to guess at the meaning. If a symbol in Scripture has significance, the meaning of the symbol is found somewhere else in the Bible. We don't have to guess at the meaning of important symbols because the answer is always in Scripture. So finding the matter, the meaning of a symbol, is symbol as following three steps. First thing we do when we're looking for symbols is we look for the meaning of the symbol in the passage we are reading. Usually, the meaning of a symbol is found directly following when the symbol is given. We see that throughout the New Testament where Jesus gives a parable and immediately after the parable, he tells us what everything means. Oh, the seed is the word of God and the, the thorny ground is this and the hard ground is that and the fertile... And so we got these symbols, but then immediately we're told what the symbol means. So we don't have to guess at what, well, what does the, what does the thorny ground really mean? No, the thorny ground, it, we know what it means because Jesus told us what it means immediately following what, he, what he, he, he talked about. So usually the verse will give us a symbol and the following verses will tell us what they mean. Now, if they don't, because there are times in Revelation, we see a symbol and we don't immediately after get the meaning of the symbol. So if we like, okay, well, here's a symbol, but we don't see it right after it, where do we find that symbol? It's always in Scripture, and we always find it backwards. Always go backwards. Never go forwards looking for a symbol if it's not right away. Go backwards. First go backwards in the book that we're reading. So we'll go back in Revelation to see where it is. And if it's not in the book of Revelation, we'll go further back through the canon of Scripture to find it. Maybe it's in the New Testament somewhere. Maybe it's in the Old Testament somewhere. But it's always before where we get there. Now, there's a reason we always go backwards and not forwards. How do you read? We start at the beginning of the book. We st if we're reading the Bible as a, bi as a book, we start in Genesis, we read the Revelation. God knows that. So God knows, okay, if there's a symbol in Revelation, they need to understand, and I don't put it immediately in Revelation. It's somewhere, it's behind them. They've already read it. They've already understand it. Now, we, we may have forgotten it. How many of you have, have sometime in your life read every word of the Bible? All right, several of you. 
Do you remember all of it? No. You don't remember all of it? <laughs> no. Now, I mean, especially, man, you get to the chapters of begattens and Ezekiel, who I think Ezekiel had to be on drugs or something, the stuff he saw. You're like, I don't remember all that, but it's in there, so I may have to look and dig a little deeper to find out what it means. But the, the meaning of a symbol is always found somewhere in Scripture. So when he tell, puts a symbol in the Bible, he's defined it either before then or immediately after then. God is not an author of confusion. He wants us to understand what he's talking about. He doesn't want us to speculate about what something means. So he has told us somewhere what these things mean. All right, so with all that said, let's jump into it. Revelation chapter 1. We're going to look at the first three verses that should give you a clue as to how long this study is going to take. Hopefully, God will come back before we're done, <laughs> and then you can just ask him. <laughs> so, Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse one, number 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now, uh, I believe we talked about this earlier or in the last uh, lesson study, but the book of Revelation, like most of the books of the New Testament, is actually a letter. It's a letter written to the church to study. Um, but this letter, of course, uh, for instance, if you look at Jude, which is right before it, or uh, it, you know, it says Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. Uh, Galatians tells us the same thing. It tells us who the author is, where they're writing from. There's a few books in the New Testament we're not 100% sure of the author, Romans, Hebrews. We don't get the, the, uh, we don't get the, the chain of custody in the Bible. And so we have to kind of use history to try to figure out. And there's a lot of debate from people about who wrote Hebrews and who wrote Romans. And I've got my opinions and I've got my thoughts, but it really, it doesn't matter. God didn't give us the author in the Bible, so we don't need to know the author. We just need to know God wrote it for us. But here we get a unique chain of custody about who wrote this book, where it came from, and what the purpose of it is. Now, the word revelation uh, is the Greek word Apocalypsis, which we get our English word apocalypse from. It's an apocalyptic letter, and it's filled with symbols and, and things, but it always, apocalyptic literature always looks to the future. Now, who is this? What is this letter? Uh, who is this a letter, a revelation of? Jesus Christ. This is the only book in the entire Bible that tells us it is a direct revelation of Jesus, which means Jesus is the one who gave this letter to John, and we'll see how he gave it to him later, but it's the only one that we can say this is directly written to us from Jesus. The first verse gives us an incredible chain of custody. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, who gave this revelation to Jesus? God. God the Father 
gave this revelation, gave this, this, this book, gave this letter to God the Son. So Jesus then gives it to someone else. Uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show to his servants. So God gave it to Jesus. Jesus gives it to his servants. Now the word servants there, uh, it literally, it's a Greek word meaning slaves. Uh, the Bible calls us slaves of Christ. Now, uh, it, the servants, um, now we think of slavery as bad, as we should. The history of slavery that we know, the history, because there's even slavery going on in the world today, uh, even in America, it takes a different form. But in our, in our culture, sla being a slave is bad. You don't want to be a slave. You don't want to have slaves. You don't want to support anybody that ever had slaves. Uh, so it's a bad, bad thing. In this culture, it literally meant bond servant. Now, a bond servant was someone who they, they weren't uh, a slave like we think of the slave, someone who was kidnapped or, or captured from the homeland and you know, beaten and forced into labor. It's typically someone who owed a debt to pay off their debt they became a servant to someone. They were a bond servant. Now, once their debt was paid, they were free to go leave and live their life. A lot of times, or sometimes a bond servant, when their debt was paid, they were treated so well by their master, uh, or they, they loved their master so much, they loved the work they were doing so much, and they were treated so fairly, they stayed on. Uh, as a servant, a free servant, but they were still a servant. Uh, they almost became, you know, part of the family. And so they served the master, but they didn't serve him out of duty or obligation or force. They served the master because they loved the master. And that's what Jesus calls us. We serve the master not because he's forcing us to or making us. We serve him because we love him. Um, so this revelation, it came from God, was given to Jesus, who then gave it to us. But there's a couple more steps between us and Jesus in the chain of custody. So uh, look at it again. Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servant things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Uh, so it goes from God to Jesus to an angel. Now, we don't know what angel it is. Uh, and again, there's a lot of people I've read who try to dive deep to find out who this angel is, and they have all kinds. It's Michael, it's Gabriel, it's other angels, and they start naming these angels. It's not important because God didn't tell us. Uh, is it a cool little thing to discuss? Yes. A lot of times, like, I get really into uh, Genesis studies, uh, about, you know, uh, like Adam and Eve when they're cast out and Cain kills Abel and Cain's scared, you know, scared of God. If you cast me out, people are going to kill me. Who is Cain afraid? Who is he afraid of? As far as we know from Scripture, there's four people on the earth and he killed one of them. Who is he scared of? Where those people come from? I like to speculate about those people and where they came from and who they are and all kinds of stuff. It, I can't prove anything from Scripture. It's just I like to have conversation. I like, really like to have conversation with Connor because he's nice to talk to, and it kind of freaks him out. Uh, and, you know, did, did, did Adam and Eve 
ride around on talking dinosaurs. I can't prove from Scripture. It doesn't matter. Things I like to get into. But I'm never going to write a book declaring that Adam had a pet Tyrannosaurus Rex that he chatted with before the fall of mankind because I can't prove it from Scripture. So I can, we can speculate about who the angel is, but God doesn't want us to know. So it doesn't matter who the angel is. We don't know who the angel is, but angels always play a major role as messengers in the Bible. And then finally, the angel gives these details of this revelation to John. Now, we find out later that this is the Apostle John. We're not told right now. We are told later on in Scripture that's the Apostle John, but we can, we can really pretty much figure out uh, right from this verse 1 that it is the Apostle John for a couple reasons. Uh, John was a leader of the church, and he was, he was the only John that everyone in the church would know who he was. You know, they would know, okay, it's the Apostle John, obviously. You know, it's not, you know, John, some guy from, you know, three, three, three streets over. It's the Apostle John. Uh, he had, he had uh, clarity. People trusted him. So we know it's the Apostle John. We also learn later because this John was on the Isle of Patmos. Church history tells us the Apostle John was uh, banished to the Isle of Patmos because they, they could not kill him, even though they tried very, very hard. Uh, he just wouldn't die, so they, they sent him there. So we know this is the Apostle John. So we, we have this elaborate chain of custody uh, that opens up the book, this book of the Bible. Why do you think God gives us kind of this elaborate chain of custody as he opens up Scripture? The things we're going to read in Revelation are incredible. They seem fantasy-like. They seem like the dreams that you, you have when you eat too much pizza before you go to bed... And you wake up like, I don't know what that was, but that was weird. Uh, and so it's very easy if, if we just got this letter and had no idea where it came from or who wrote it or who gave it to who to read it and say, that's just the ravings of a lunatic. You know, John's on the island. He's, he's hungry. He's thirsty. He's got heat exhaustion. You know, he's been boiled in oil. He's probably in shock. Yeah, John, John is, ha- is in shock and having these weird dreams. So God wants us to know right off the bat, the things you're going to read are cra- seem crazy, but they're truth. You can trust them, and you can believe them. Uh, he wants us to understand and believe and trust the things we're going to read in this letter. Uh, this isn't the dreams or imagination of some man. It is directly given to us by God. It is real, it is trustworthy, and we can believe it. Uh, now, the early church, even today, but the early church was fascinated with the second coming of Jesus. Uh, and, of course, they, they were uh, dealing with a lot of false teachings. False teachers uh, were spreading a lot of different beliefs about the second coming of Jesus. And so this letter gives us, and it also gave the early church, gives us a definitive explanation about his return about what's going to happen before he returns, what's going to happen after he returns, and we can trust the source. We can see the circumstances and events that are going to lead up to his return in this letter. And so to ensure that the church accepted this testimony, we have this, this chain of custody that we and we can trust it. And again, look at in verse 1, it uh, says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, to show unto his servants the things. John did not get these, this letter. He didn't, he didn't, you know, Jesus didn't just tell him, hey, 
this is what God told me, or an angel didn't tell him, hey, this is what Jesus told me, God told him. Uh, he was shown these things. So John's not relating these things second or third hand. He experienced what we see in this Bible. Jesus didn't narrate it to John. He showed it to him. So John witnessed these things with his own eyes. And he has a job of recording what he saw for us. So the book of Revelation is the testimony of what Jesus of what John saw that Jesus showed him because of what God had shown Jesus. So this letter was not uh, John explaining that's what I love about it. It's not John explaining what he saw. It's not John trying to make sense of what he saw. It's just John telling us what he saw. Here's what I saw. Here's what I was told. I'm not going to try to explain it. I'm not going to try to teach it. I'm not going to try to dissect it. I'm just going to tell you what I heard and what I saw directly from God. So it's part of what makes this letter so challenging to read, you know, but there's a purpose to this. By John telling us what he saw and not explaining it and not trying to teach it and not trying to dissect it, God is hiding the meaning of the text from anyone who it's not intended for. And it was not intended for non-believers. This letter was written for believers, for God's children to read and to understand. Now, it is, there is, and through any, any passage of Scripture, any place of Scripture, you can read it to a non-believer and teach it to a non-believer, and they can get saved. That's, that's the purpose of the entire Bible. But at first reading, a non-believer is going to look at it and think, man, this is like Lord of the Rings. You know, the thing is going on here. Uh, you know, it's like Gandalf's flying around or something. Uh, so it's obscured for them. Um, if we're to understand what God is showing us, we need the Spirit of God to guide us in His teaching. And that's why God gave us a Spirit. The Bible says the Spirit was given to us to show us the truth that God wants us to have and wants us to, to, uh, to know. Uh, so we have to have the Spirit of God guiding us. It's intended for the servants of God. It's not for the world to understand the events of the end times. The events of this book, they will come to pass on the world whether they know it or whether they believe it or whether they understand it or not. Also, the study of Revelation is a reward re reward to the believer that studies it in context of the rest of the Bible. Look at verse number 3. Blessed is he that readeth, um, that they hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Um, the Bible tells us that Revelation, uh, when we read it, and we study it, God promises to bless us. You get to know where Revelation is talking about because you know the rest of the story. But it has, this is the only book of the Bible that has a specific promise of blessing to those who study it. Now, obviously, studying any portion of Scripture is a blessing to the believer. So I'm not saying, well, you know, if you want to be blessed by God, you only got to study Revelation. Psalms ain't going to help you. No, no, no. There's a blessing to any study of Scripture in any passage of Scripture, but Revelation tells us specifically, you will receive a blessing by studying and trying to understand this book. 
um, you know, he does, he does add that we have to hear and keep or observe the things that are written in this book to get the blessing. Again, blessed is he that readeth and that they hear the words of this prophecy and keep uh, or observe the things that are written therein for the time is at hand. So it's more than just reading the book of Revelation that gives you a blessing. There's an appreciation of, of what it foretells and an anticipating of what will happen. The blessing is, and I believe, again, the blessing comes in a lot of different means, a lot of different ways. Personally, I believe, as we study the book of Revelation, we are blessed because we realize the coming, Jesus' return is, quick, is, a, is at hand. It's close. We don't have long to wait. We're only waiting on, as you study it, the only thing we're waiting on for Jesus to come back and receive his bride is God to say, go get your bride. There's no other events in history or in prophecy that we're waiting to fall into place for the rapture to happen. That's the only thing we're waiting on. So it's at hand. It's close. It's quick. But then we also see the judgment the world's going to face, and we realize we're saved from that. So we are blessed to know, yeah, the things the world's going to face when the Bible tells us that men are going to cry for, the, for the, the, the rocks to fall on them and kill them because the world's so bad. Now, the world's bad now, don't get me wrong, but whew, it ain't that bad yet. You know, I'm not standing out in front of the, you know, McAfee's knob saying, please fall on me and kill me because the world's so bad. Uh, but it will get that bad, but I'm not going to have to experience it. That's a blessing God has given me. So God uh, tells us that we are blessed by, by understanding what um, the Bible is teaching us. But I notice also what John doesn't say. He doesn't say that we only receive the blessing if we understand what's being taught. To hear and to keep doesn't mean you have to understand it uh, so well that you understand everything in it and everything that it's asking you. It means that you give your attention to it. You, you pay attention to what is being said, what is being taught, and you give your heart to the truth. And one of the ways we give our heart to the truth, again, is yes, we are blessed to know the times at hand. Any second the trumpet could sound, we could all ascend, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then those that remain will ascend to be with him in the, in the clouds forever. That could happen at any second, and that's a blessing. But it also gives us, a, a, it should give us a sense of apprehension that there are people in our lives, people in this world, that have not accepted the gospel. And yes, our time on this earth is short. Praise God, we'll be in heaven for eternity one day. But their time on earth is short too. And if they don't receive the truth of the gospel before the rapture, it's very difficult for them to receive it afterwards. And while we get to spend eternity with God in heaven and then eternity with God on this new heaven and new earth, they'll have an eternity in hell. And that should cause us to say, you know what? I've got to get busy sharing the gospel as many times as I can, as many places as I can, to as many people as I can. We have to give our attention to what's being said. So in your own walk as, your, in your, in your own walk as a believer, you're going to find a blessing that comes out of studying this book. A blessing that comes out of understanding what God is telling us. And that's my hope and prayer as we begin this study through the book of Revelation. 
Thank you for listening to this message from New Grace Baptist Church. For more information about New Grace, check out our website at www.reachingroanoke.com.